Hi, thanks for joining me on Social Work Study Sessions. My name is Miranda Barker. I am a licensed social worker. I have my bachelor's in social work, and I, I have a few years of experience working in adoption, foster care, counseling, and child protection. I am currently finishing my master's degree. I'll be walking in two weeks, which is super exciting. And I wanted to start a podcast to help others that are in my boat. They want some refreshers on some basic social work principles and ideas and perhaps studying for one of their board exams like I am. So today I wanted to talk about solution-focused therapy. Solution-focused therapy is one of my favorite therapy modalities. I have used it with clients for years and I have especially used it in uh, my child protection practice and the various different questioning skills that they have, especially those exception questions. So I just wanted to do a brief little overview of solution-focused therapy and pull out some of the most important parts in it that I've found and also give you some examples of questioning styles from this modality. So the biggest thing about solution-focused therapy is that your outlook is positive. You're viewing the client as the expert. You assume that the client already possesses the skills necessary for change. And so this modality really focuses a lot on self-empowerment and it's very strengths focused, which I think is really important in our social work practice. So a lot of it means that you're focusing on small gradual change to get the ball rolling and give the clients hope. And through that hope, then they're able to kind of tackle some of those bigger issues and bigger um, problems that they're looking at. So I mentioned this just a second ago, but one of the most important parts of solution-focused therapy are exceptions. Those, so those are times when the, the problem doesn't occur. And so it's helping clients see those times when perhaps they were able to stay sober. So for example, you might ask a client, tell me about a time when you felt the urge to use methamphetamines or use substances and you didn't. And so by asking this question, you're pulling out those exceptions and pulling out the times when they were already able to kind of problem and um, work on a solution. And so clearly they already have that solution in their repertoire. So it's kind of moving off of that solution that they've already have. Another example of an exception question, especially if you're working with couples, might be how have you let your partner know when he or she does something that makes a positive difference to you? Or what's different about those times when that problem doesn't happen? So it's really trying to focus on what are called sparkling moments in the signs of safety practice, which is a different framework that we'll jump into later. But the signs of safety practice really does draw a lot on from solution-focused therapy, which is really, really successful and one of the reasons why I like both of those modalities and those frameworks. Another important part of solution-focused therapy are going to be scaling questions. So you might ask a client on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being how depressed you felt when you called me and 10 being how you feel the day after this happened, how do you feel right now? And so then the client might say, well, I feel like a four or something like that. And then the therapist or the social worker might say, okay, so it sounds like you feel a little bit better than you did when you called me. What brought you up to that number? Or how come, what, what could we do to bring your number up to a five next time? I think that the important thing about scaling questions that we sometimes forget as practitioners is that the two different 
anchors on the scale really need to relate to one another. So if you are going to be saying that one means that you are feeling very, very depressed and you have a hard time getting out of bed, and then 10 needs to kind of be the inverse of that. So 10 would be, I'm feeling really good about myself today and I had no trouble getting out of bed so that the client can really see um, the difference. And it's not like you're asking two different questions. It's still just finding where they are and where that anchor is on that scale. Another example of scaling questions that I've used in child protection that was really helpful was when I was working with maybe like a network or um, the family's support network and I asked them, okay, on a scale of one to, den- one, one to 10, with one being, I don't feel confident that mom and dad are going to maintain sobriety and 10 being, I feel really confident with the parents' um, coping skills and their ability to ma- remain sober where do you feel? And so once again, it's kind of having those anchors being the inverse of one another and definitely related. So it's not like you're asking two different questions. Realistically, before you start talking about solutions and exceptions, you're going to start talking about your therapeutic goals. And an important part of solution-focused therapy is by asking what they've already done to try to resolve their difficulties, asking questions like, how are you hoping that I can help you? Or asking a lot of clarifying questions. Um, Usually people have tried various things before they go to therapy or before they are involved in child protection. And so it's important to hear the client out about what they've already tried and what worked um, and what they are hoping would work next. The next step is to ask specific questions like, specifically, how will you be doing this? Or... How will the two of you know when you've solved your problems? How will things be different? Or what will be the first sign that you're moving in the right direction? Things like that kind of help people get specific about their goals and um, clarify where they want to go and what their ideal situation would be. Another important type of question that falls under the solution-focused therapy are relationship questions. So an example of this might be, what would your mom tell me is your best subject in school? Or what would the judge say about um, your recent relapse? Or what would your teachers say is um, something that they really like about you? Or what would your friends say? And so on and so forth. Um, And that really helps, especially kids, kind of step away from themselves and be able to um, view themselves from someone else's perspective. And sometimes it's easier to share how other people might feel or what they might say rather than um, talking about yourself, I guess. And this also helps and works really well with families that I've worked with as well. Um, Another important thing that you want to remember in solution-focused therapy is to avoid why questions. I know that that's a really basic social work type of thing, but try to ask how come instead or what happened. Um, Things like that can really help open up the open up the client more and um, make it so it's a little bit less intimidating. A lot of uh, critics don't like solution-focused therapy because they say that it's overly simplistic or that it's not necessarily getting to the issues because you're just focusing on um, these exceptions or the solutions. But in some cases, I think that this is really powerful and really helpful to empower clients to um, move past some of the struggles that they 
are working on, um, especially if there's like child protection involvement or um, other issues within the family. I think that kind of focusing on these solutions and focusing on the exceptions and kind of trying to um, maintain a strengths-based outlook can be really powerful and helpful for clients. So that is a super quick overview of solution-focused therapy. I hope this was helpful and I hope that you join me for another one of my episodes. Have a great day.